0: I'm Kieran, and I want to help you knock fat and stress out of your life whilst becoming the healthiest that you can be. Join me and let's attack this journey together.
1: Hey, good to see you, Wade. How are you, my friend? You well? Yeah, very good,
0: thanks. So if you could just give everyone, like all of the listeners, just a little rundown of who you are and I guess how we know each other.
1: Uh, yes. So I, uh, My name is Wade Foster. Um, I've known Kieran for many years. We went to university together. Um, then since university, um, so I've progressed in a career within the fitness industry. Um, started off as a fitness model and went in and won my, my pro card, competing in, in sort of as a fitness model category. I then moved over to men's physique. And um, won a couple of men's physique shows. So of so a bodybuilding scene, but not quite as big as a, a bodybuilder. Um, and then over the last year, I have converted into strongman. And i um, now looking to win sort of Southern England's strongest man. And then from there, move on to England's strongest man, Britain's strongest man. And um, that You've type got of a journey. coming up soon as well, haven't you? Yes, mate April the fifth I have a southern England strongest man, and um, the idea if you finish top three, you qualify for England's strongest. And then if you qualify for top three in England, you then go to Britain's and then europe's and then worlds is the journey
0: What is it quite saturated with regards to competitors like how does it how does it work what's the, what's your the field like would you say
1: so Southern England is going to have the top two in Britain for the last three years competing in my qualifier. Um, So, like, they both come from down south, similar to me. So um, I've got to go against the top two in my qualifier to even get a chance to get to the finals, Um, which is probably the way I'd rather do it. I'd rather go in against the best, take them on and see where I place, rather than have an easier qualifier and then get absolutely, like, fucked over in the finals. Um, so I'd rather have a harder semi-final, so to say, and and prove my worth, and then go in uh, with a bit more confidence into the final. Um, yeah, definitely. I've got youth on my side, which uh, I'm hoping will do me well in a few events. Um, so, so we'll yeah.
0: see. Well, it's like they say, isn't it? You've got to, uh, well, to be the best, you've got to beat the best. So uh, I guess, mate, if you can take on the top two and... and... Place and do well against them, then yeah, you're laughing really. That's so good. how old? How old are the other two? Them? How old are the two
1: gentlemen? Mid thirties. Mid thirties. So they got. A few, oh, they, really? they got a few years on me. But in in strength, obviously, yeah, yeah. you're going to peak heavy. Like you're going to peak later on. Like most people are prime mm. in their potential early to mid thirties because they've had that many years of of growth and to get their strength up to that point. You rarely get people coming in at their early 20s, blowing the field um, the field out, because they just don't have that level of training under their belt. Yeah. So, sports, powerlifting, strongman, even Olympic lifting, uh, in some cases, it's your people's pushing into the 30s that are generally at their peak.
0: Yeah, same. With well, um, regards to that, then... How is your training and your nutrition looking um, leading into that? like How do you structure those two um, leading up to your, um, to your event? So
1: I train a hell of a lot less now. A hell of a lot less. Um, oh, really? Yeah, a hell of a lot less. So I used to easy be, when I was doing my physique training, six days a week, easy, easy. I'd even, get, I'd even got up to um, 14 days a week. I used to do twice a day every day um for physique style training wasn't wasn't needed but i just i just did it um, <laughs> but, but, but with strength training and pushing the weight as high as high as you got to go you need to recover otherwise you're just not going to be able to to sort of perform the next workout so my training is now down to four days a week i have a sort of overhead press day i then have a deadlift day and then i have a horizontal like a bench press day and then a squat day so that's how the training is sort of lined up at the moment with sort of obviously reps between like three to five maybe and then a couple of accessory exercises um and then nutrition wise is obviously a lot more carb based than i kind of have ever been which is which is nice because carbs are great um <laughs> But to be honest, mate, I'm actually having to get a lot of shakes in at the moment. Like, do you know, like self created mass gain of shakes to get my calories in? Because mm. eating a lot of calories is difficult for anyone who's tried to put on size or, or be strong. Eating 5,000 calories a day of nutritious whole food is, is difficult. So, I have a um, current, current diet is actually three shakes and two meals. So, each shake is about 1,000 calories. And uh, each meal is about seven hundred and fifty to a thousand calories. So it's close to five just under five thousand calories a day. But I try and get most of them in through shakes just because they're easier to consume, rather than me sitting down like trying to scoff down a thousand calories of chicken and rice is not the funnest in the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so then touching on from that, because there's obviously a huge difference in regards to like you're saying there of your training. Mm-hmm. So two things I really want to touch on here is that difference between when you're obviously competing in bodybuilding and looking for sort of those aesthetic improvements Mm -hmm. um but then also that rest and recovery aspect as well because I think that's something that's very overlooked in this day and age so just looking back how much has your trained nutrition changed then with regards to how it was when you were looking for aesthetic improvements Mm -hmm. to
1: how it is now when you're looking for performance Mm -hmm. so yeah it's like in all honesty it's changed a, a great deal um because i current like i'm not i've rarely ever tried to combine the two like for most of my life my goal has been pure aesthetics so training was around aesthetics still progressive overload but building muscle mass so you're looking at a lot more isolation exercises so you're looking at like Mm -hmm. sort of like your lateral raises or sort of like dumbbell flies cable flies leg extensions leg curls you're looking at obviously these isolations that you're there to grow grow a muscle rather than currently i'm aiming to perform a lift like i'm not training muscles i'm training movements currently and that was the biggest change in my mentality and change in my training that i had to sort of get my head round was i was used to having like um sort of chest and back day or chest and arms day or something like that where you're then going right i need to i'll get his chest up train my upper chest with incline movements sort of like then the rest of my chest made with a flat or a decline then make sure i added in some cable flies within some isolation exercises where at the minute i'm like right i need to train my deadlift and then i need to train accessories to my deadlift which may be a hamstring exercise, maybe a back extension, um, maybe it's like um, a snatch grip deadlift or a deficit deadlift. So rather than thinking I'm training my back or hamstrings, I've got to mentally go, I'm training to improve my deadlift, which was a big switch for me mentally Um, because I used to try and like train symmetrical like you would do like for a physique. So you'd want like, right, if I'm doing four or five pushing chest movements, I need to at least do four or five pulling back movements during my week to balance out, so I'm symmetrical. So my like I don't have a small back and a big chest. So you made everything yeah. so symmetrical. Where at the minute it's nothing to do with that. It's all to get a bigger weight on the bar to be able to perform at an event. So that's kind of mainly how the, how the changing mentality has changed. Rather than training muscle groups, I'm now training movements, um, and then. the the nutrition aspects obviously when when dieting the the end game is you need to be eating less calories than you're burning like simple simple as that that. um to get down to to your lower body fat percentages be it for like say like when i was competing and doing cover model stuff or when i was um uh or if you say you're just dieting for a holiday or something you have to be consuming less calories than you burn so the only way did
0: you get obviously I, I know this, but just to, put it, just to put it in perspective, obviously, your first show, you came out and absolutely smashed it, didn't you? Mm. Obviously, mm. been in that pro card on your, yeah. your first show, which is almost unheard of. Yeah. So, just kind of tell people just how brutal the
1: diet got. Uh, so, last so, so, uh, yeah. lowest amount of calories was for the last. Two weeks before the carb up, I got down to nine hundred and sixty-three calories a day, um, which for a guy weighing around ninety kilos is not a not, not a lot at all. <laughs> and and training twice a day, training twice a day with about two hours of cardio a day. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, hell, hell was uh, was what I was experiencing. Um, but that so obviously like. That was obviously very extreme and like just not even myself nor a lot of other coaches who I was chatting to at the time could explain why my body was being a dick. But basically my body was just going, (laughs) nah mate, I'm not going to lose any more weight for you. I'm not going to drop like I'm not going to do anything. It was just being really like shitty. So we had to go above and beyond to get myself to the condition to obviously win the show, Um, which meant I was the grumpiest – Meanest man on the planet because I was just so hungry.
0: So looking back on that, actually, have you ever, and obviously Chris, who's your your um, coach for that, have you two ever actually sat down and and kind of thought about what might have been the cause of your body being so stubborn? Was it something to do with maybe like that cortisol um, aspect because of obviously how much physical and mental mm. and emotional
1: stress that you're under, or like everyone is so like everyone is so unique like Mm -hmm. when it comes to dieting there's no one size fits all there there just isn't like you need to be in a calorie deficit and and like like i was massively but like i was like i'm with like so when i had to go to 960 like i was lean i was six pack i was you would have seen me on a beach and you would have been like oh god that guy's in great nick but to win a show you need to get like Sh- like shredded to low body fat percentages and yeah. be very um so we got to the point where we would like you would have said like let's uh, for example if your list like men's health cover model physique I-, I had like two weeks out that's not going to do you too well on stage like you need to get leaner you need to get to a very very low body fat percentage so we got to the point where like the body like i was already low card um calorie wise anyway um potentially yeah due to stress like i wasn't sleeping i got diagnosed with sleep apnea during the prep um which obviously having not sleeping well was really affecting my, my fat loss as it goes and um, because sleep deprivation obviously like you say raises cortisol affects your hormones so you're not um as prone to be able to to lose fat um so there's a lot of like what like they say hormonal things that were going on because of my sleep which was causing an issue with the fat loss journey so we had to go Right. Well, obviously, your body's being a bit of a dick due to the hormones, due to the not sleeping. So we're going to have to go seriously extreme in the calories, and in the energy expenditure, to try and combat any of this, uh, like sort of like cortisol raising situation due to the lack of sleep.
0: So then, moving on from there, then, mm-hmm. how much did you struggle with that kind of post-show freedom? Because obviously, you've got your why, which is huge isn't it which is you've got a, such a strong goal when mm-hmm. you compete and then you compete and it's almost like unless you've got another show in the pipeline wow. you're just kind of not left your own devices because you still got your coach and you and your coach should always have a plan but how how did you find that obviously working with you I know exactly how it went down but oh, yeah, exactly yeah, just that, that, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um so I've all I've always been a foodie, and to be fair, like the beer at heart. Like you've known me from uni. Like I've always been yeah. enjoyable, but I have like a good. I could put myself through pain during a process of of a contest prep during like these extreme like dieting phases. But mate, like as soon as as soon as it, if I didn't win, potentially it would have been a different outcome. Like I may not have blown like like rebounded the way I did, but because you get the euphoric moment of a win, and it's all. All the hard work was worth it. I went, see you later. Like I am just eating like everything under the sun, and I went from, I think our stage rate was eighty-seven kilos. I got up to hundred and eleven in two and a half weeks. <laughs> Mate, I I
0: remember this so I remember this so vividly because you you had your competition and I think I had a fight the weekend after. Yeah. It was that first competition. Yeah. I then both of us were just sitting there like giving each other little tips. And that was like, you told me about the sugar-free syrup for oh, your yeah, coffee, mate. your black coffee. Game, and I game. was like, game changer. <laughs> I was like, just getting it almost like, just felt like squirting it in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had the same, because I put on, mine was the same with boxing, because I had such a strong why. Mm. I just, I put myself through hell. I would eat minimal amounts, like just enough to get through my training sessions. But obviously I would cut down. I wouldn't touch any alcohol, any bad food or anything for, well, quote unquote bad food. Yeah. Um, Like basically I wouldn't eat anything other than like chicken and veg, like leading up to a fight. And then I remember going after and I put on 11 kilos in a week. And I remember sitting. There, I was like, "Whoa!" I was. I weighed in at seventy-two. I was eighty. No, no, it was eighty-three. I like, just like, just over a week later, and I was like, "Whoa!" I need to start running. I need
1: to start running. <laughs> uh, trying to blame I was, it. It's all water. Yeah, it's all. It's all water. <laughs> <laughs> they were looking I'm sitting there looking at these tits. Like, yeah, that's water, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well, mine was like. I'm um, like when I was there. People. Like, I was only like two weeks post show, and a few people were like, like because obviously not everyone. It seemed like people with six packs it's still like quite unusual to see someone. oh can you show us your abs I was like mate they're gone they went they went the day after <laughs> so, like, it's two weeks later and it's now a belly like it's gone
0: how did you come on to actually how did you psychologically come to terms with that because that's one thing I always actually struggle with because everyone kind of sees you on those pictures and they're like why are you shredded and then you kind of go out in the street and people be like oh it shows your abs or whatever and you're like
1: me i've got guts what what you're about um no it it is it is a tough one like people have a persona if you especially through through instagram and and potentially like seeing all the uh the highlight reel so to say of of, oh look you always look like you're in shape and stuff like that but like being in shape and being lean, as you know, for like when you're fights and stuff, it's hard. Like it really, really hard. Yeah. You have to sacrifice quite a lot to get really lean. To get sort of like, to like, maintain like that as yeah. Well. And to maintain it, it's just not that fun. Like it's just, it's mm. just not like I like doing it for periods of time, and I like, I like being lean for, as like you say, periods of time. But I like to also enjoy, enjoy my life. Like I like to go out for cocktails. I would like to eat eat nice foods occasionally and stuff like that. So it's finding a healthy balance so of knowing that you're happy with yourself where where you look at your periods of time. If it ever got to a point where I was like, ah, I'm not happy with my current look, I, I, I'm very ed- well-educated in nutrition. I know I can get myself back to where I need to be. But I've never had a point where I've taken myself too far out of a, a comfort zone, so to say. Um, so as long as like I was have a sort of the philosophy of like I like the, I need to like the way I look because that makes me feel better in myself, feel more confident when I'm working or when I'm training or even like say if I go on a holiday, I still need to like like the way I look. So I would yeah. never put myself too far out of that out of that limit, so to say.
0: So then obviously you are renowned now as obviously a body transformation coach. I'm mm-hmm. um, getting people in sort of cover model shape and you've got an unbelievable sort of um cv with regards to that you've got some like some of the best transformations that i've seen so when you have people come on board what do you tend to find are the biggest sort of mindset aspects and the mindset shifts that you have to kind of Talk to them about and things like make them understand. But like, what do you find people's struggles usually are? Like biggest
1: struggles when it comes to really improving their body shape. So first one would be understanding that a diet is not just five days a week. It's silly. Like it's such a silly thing for me to say, but the most common thing people let, let people down are Friday night and Saturday night. It just is. Like when you when you get out of a routine, Monday to Friday, everyone is in such a good routine because they work. They go right. I have breakfast before I go to work, or I train before I go to work. Then I have my post-workout shake. Then I have breakfast. Then I work. I'm busy, so I'm not thinking about food. Then I have lunch. Then I'm busy, and they're, they're in such a routine. It's a thing. When it gets to the Friday night or the Saturday and Sunday, and temptation starts creeping in, and you're not so much in your routine, you're now potentially walking around Westfield or a shopping centre, and you you smell like some Millie's cookies or Or do you know what I mean all there's all these temptations around? And you just think, oh, well, I've been really good Monday to Friday. So I'm going to have this snack or I'm going to have this today. When you don't realize yeah. that fast food and restaurant food is so caloric, like so calorie dense, that even though you've been on point Monday to Friday, a meal off Saturday and a meal off Sunday, and say you're throwing a, a beer or two or a glass of wine or something, could put you actually into a calorie surplus. So you've worked really, really hard Monday to Friday and you may have just slipped up once or twice over the weekend. But because of the magnitude of the slip up, it's actually undone all your hard work. And you've ended up putting on weight because you're in a surplus due to the weekend. So that's the main thing to get around with clients to begin with is, is get them to understand that we need seven days full commitment. Otherwise, it's, point, it's, it's pointless. And I, and I am a bit blunt and a bit like in that way, like you are paying for a service for me to get you in this shape. Like I need you to give me a hundred percent. I will do as best as I can to get you nice meals on your weekends and be able to work in potentially like a Nando's and like you can do like decent meals at Wagamama's and a few things like that. But you can't go off the rails. You can't have a large yeah. Domino's pizza and a Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Like it just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Like say if you're a uh, just say potentially you're a 65 kilo woman and your calorie intake is. One thousand five hundred calories a day. A tub of Ben and Jerry's is about one thousand four hundred calories. So if you have a tub of Ben and Jerry's, you're eating nothing else that day. You're going to, you yeah. jimmy you're going to be really hungry. So a lot of people on weekends, potentially getting alcohol in or the higher caloric foods, actually tip themselves way over their weekly budget just by a weekend. So that's one of the main things I try and instill in people is understanding it is a seven day on repeat process. What's your
0: perspective on that alcohol and dieting?
1: In, in a like moderation, it's fine, but you need to take those calories. So like alcohol gives you nothing being like a, like bathroom makes you feel good as in, as in a social situation it actually gives you it's n- very, like pointless nutrients in there it's not nutrient dense it's not helping you in any way whatsoever but if you enjoy it and you're out in a social circle then we can work it in but we have to factor in those calories if you're going to have a bottle of wine could be 600 calories i have to take that out from elsewhere you're going to be hungrier the main issue with a lot of people with alcohol is alcohol then leads to poor decisions ah yeah i'll get a Macadese on the way home Oh yeah, I'll order a Domino's. Or oh, I'm hungover the next day. Screw it. Let's just order a takeaway. Then your calories have now tripled or quadrupled, and you're in a bad you're in a bad situation. So and again, all goes into that magnitude that you were saying. Exactly, exactly. Like factoring in like one or two Coronas, which is, which should only be about uh, two hundred and eighty calories. Like for two Coronas, or like some vodka line sodas, some Gin and Slim likes. Like one or two on a Friday night not the end of the world if you just go right i need to take out i'll take out my rice or i'll take out my, my pasta with dinner those those carbohydrates and i'll add in a beer or two or uh, or like a vodka lime soda or something it's okay it's manageable but when you like do this weekend on weekend on repeat on repeat and you start you said making the poor decisions and the magnitude of the calories is going through the roof then you're just in a vicious circle that you're never going you're never going to get the um the dream physique that you want
0: yeah, yeah, very, very true. So with regards to, say, your successful clients and sort of most successful transformations that you've had, what would you say that they have, whether that be like a character trait or something that your other people that, that sort of struggle to hit that that real, like, head-turning transformation, what would you say
1: they, they tend to have? It's a bit of a loaded question, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, so f- firstly, they um they hold themselves accountable to someone, i.e., by, by hiring a coach or by signing when you have someone else who's holding you accountable, it makes the whole journey generally more successful on, on percentages parts because you're in communication with someone who knows what they're doing, who is telling you exactly what to do and when to do, and also means you've got to check in with someone, you have to have a conversation going. Uh, you know what, I let you down this week. I went off plan like so often. And, and that the accountability holds them to a higher level of adherence to, to the nutrition and the training and the stuff, which leads to a greater result. Because at the end of the day, they need to be able to adhere to a plan. If you can't adhere to a plan, you're not going to make yeah. any progress. Um, next is obviously they, they understand it short term, regardless of how much you need to lose though. But like it's a sh- once you lose the weight and you reach the physique, you can manage you can manage it much better with a reverse diet, but it's harder to achieve the physique than it is to maintain it. So they realise like right, I need to put the work in now, achieve the physique that I want to achieve, and from there I can start a reverse dieting phase. I can bring my calories back up, bring in some nicer some nicer meals, but maintain the level of physique I've got. Whereas a few of the, like people who struggle want it now. In this day and age where, yeah. where like you can get like with Uber Eats and with Amazon Prime, I can get anything now or like tomorrow morning. It's instant in this day and age. That doesn't work with, with physiques. That like, but the physique is the only thing left that takes hard work and dedication. Everything else in life, you can get at a click at a button, pretty much. Achieving a, a good level of physique, a good level of, like say, cover model physique or lean level of body fat, takes hard work and commitment and patience from people and that's a couple of character traits that potentially in this modern age we've lost because everything is is very much now
0: that is very much um something that i was actually having a conversation about um with brad the other day obviously yeah um someone we both know and that is it's just like there's a curse of modernism, which is why you see all these things like herbal life, skinny teas, fucking booties, whatever in like Holland and Barrett. that are just people are shelling out and making so much money. It's cause everyone just wants the um that little quick fix. Yeah. Exactly. I call it gold ticket syndrome. Everyone just yeah. wants to buy
1: something and have like a gold ticket. It's like, yay. Yeah, exactly. It's like I want this now. Bah. You know, you didn't get you didn't get out of shape in a day. You're not, you're not going to get in a shape in a day. Um, But, and it's a harsh truth that people don't want to hear, which like, again, if people may like hearing it or people may not like hearing it, but it is, it is a harsh, a harsh truth. Um, Like you said, like a seven day drop a gene size challenge is, is not going to be sustainable. You're not going to be able to keep, you'll put your gene, you'll probably put on a gene size or two after it. Whereas if you have a sustainable plan, that is potentially a longer term, but, Will get you there, and you'll be able to maintain it. It's a much happier lifestyle change.
0: So then, with yourself, if you were to start cutting now, what are the sort of key aspects of your diet that you change, and how would you structure your own fat loss? How would you structure a fat loss diet? Is it would
1: you purely specify on calories, or so? Key, like, so you need to be in a calorie deficit. At the end of the day, like, you just need to be. um But tips for a uh, calorie deficit is high in protein. So people are scared of protein due to the fact they think it's going to get them massive and bulky and like, oh, I'm going to be a bodybuilder because I eat protein. Like, no, not at all. Protein is a higher satiety food. So the more protein you consume, the less hungry you're going to be. So when calories are lowered. Having a higher protein where you're potentially not as hungry is a much better idea. So having a high protein diet is obviously key to being in a calorie deficit. Next is understanding meal timing and when you're hungry. So for me, I'm hungrier at night. I always am. Just I'm relaxing for the day. Potentially you've got Netflix on or you're just chilling out and you, you're bored because you're not working. You're just relaxed. So you're bored. So your mind goes, oh, you're hungry. And that's when you go to like the the crisps and the cookies and that type of thing. So what I do is backload my calories. I go, right, I can get to midday without really being hungry because I'm busy. I I can survive on water and black coffee. So if I save that potential thousand calories and put that at night, I'm now still in my calorie budget, but I'm allowing myself to eat at night rather than going over my calories because I'm hungry at night. So that technique is called like intermittent fasting or calorie borrowing. Now it's not gospel; like it's no scientific, like magic pill that's going to help you with um with your fat loss journey. It just yeah, it just helps burn more fat. because You've not got any energy, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm fasting, so I'm burning. I'm burning more fat cells. Now it's um it's just no. I can stay in a calorie budget because I know. I eat
0: more of an evening. So when we were actually both going through that those um, those cutting sessions that we were just talking about, I was I always used to do this before intermittent fasting was like a popular thing, and I used to call yeah. it I just I, I just starved myself out in the morning. Um, it just it sounded more dramatic, and so I I connected to that more. I was like, I'm just going to starve this morning. <laughs> like, and for some way in my head, that was like a challenge. I was like, fasting just sounds a bit tame, doesn't it? I was like, I'm gonna starve. And I remember, and then when it, I remember about last about two years ago, and into or last year really was into Fasting got really, really popular, and Rob Joyce and the old PT some Fitness First messaged yeah. me about that. Like, remember when we did these little starving
1: sessions, <laughs> and it's like that's now called the ifing. Yeah, exactly. Like IF is now like it's now a fad. And like, that's why I wanted to make the point where like it's not Bible. It's not something that I I would say is gospel for everyone. However, if you're a late night eater and like you may eat more calories at night, it makes more sense to save calories for an evening rather than eat them in the morning when potentially you're not hungry. So that's that's the pure reason yeah. why I do it. And potentially when a lot of clients, so potentially more a more gem pop rather than physique athletes. That's a very useful tip to sort of backload your calories so you can have more food of an evening rather than waste, say, 500 calories in the morning.
0: Yeah, true. And then, so with regards to that, still keep on the kind of the fat loss aspect, how about training? How would you structure, or how do you tend to structure clients' training? around when they're looking to go into a fat loss phase? Does that change at all?
1: So I still preach progressive overload, which is the idea that you need to get stronger over time. So week, say you're on a, just say a 12 week program, you're stronger at week 12 than you are at week one. The idea is that you have, you've implemented either more reps or more weight on, on that exercise. So let's say, Let's say bench press, for example. Say you start off bench pressing 80 kilo for eight reps. Next week I want you to do 80 kilo for nine reps. The week after, we might try 82 kilo for eight reps and you progress that way, you're progressive overloading. Because your body needs a new stimulus to grow muscle mass. You can't just go in doing the same thing and expect like bigger muscles. You have to give your body a new stimulus, and doing this is progressive overload by giving it more weight or more reps. So I still preach progressive overload. Um, and then when someone is getting tired and tired and potentially more fatigued, I just reduce the volume. So instead of, say, four sets, I will knock it down to three. And then if they're getting two, they can't they can not produce the intensity they need at three sets, I'll drop it to two sets and, and so on like that.
0: Good. And then just find on that, what about sustainability? So what advice you give to people for helping them sustain um diets a little bit more long term say if they have more weight to lose or or just to be able to sustain it for maybe eight to 12 weeks to really improve the body shape
1: so the key that no one talks about is a thing called diet breaks so what diet breaks is so obviously like i like i've said a few times you have to be in a calorie deficit to to lose to lose body fat okay but what a diet break is, if you, if you, especially if you're on a long-term fat loss plan, being in a calorie deficit is pretty hard for like a continual uh, period of time. It's quite stressful, and you're potentially going to break or not stick to it during periods of time. So what I would benefit from and what many clients benefit from is potentially, right, we know we're going to we be in a fat, fat loss phase for potentially a year because we've got a lot of fat to lose. So what we might do is might do six weeks in a deficit, then do two weeks at maintenance calories where you can have maybe a few nicer meals we get some spaghetti bolognese in there maybe you like some nicer meals some more calories so you've got a bit more energy and you're feeling good you reverse any negative uh, metabolic adaptations that have happened and you've had two weeks that are you're not putting on weight because you're at maintenance you're not in a surplus but you're just not in a, in a strict deficit anymore then after those two weeks you might knock back down to a six to eight week dieting phase where you're in a deficit and you get a new new maintenance, and you spend two weeks at a new maintenance, and you go on a journey like that, yes, it may take you a slightly bit longer, but it's actually, like you say, more sustainable, and you're going to help with your adherence, which in my eyes is going to get you there sooner, because your adherence is much, much higher. If you try and stay in a calorie deficit for too long, and potentially you have too many temptations, or your your reason isn't strong enough, you're going to go off the rails, and potentially have binge weekends, and it's going to become a much more, like a much bigger stress for you and cause you much more anxiety and stress and make make the whole experience negative which we don't want we want to experience a positive healthy relationship with food healthy dieting mentality and in all honesty make your sort of like life healthier um so that's one of the things that i introduce to a lot of clients who are potentially more long-term fat loss rather than a uh, short-term is introducing diet breaks And
0: another aspect on that as well is it's the maintenance. I think when you've had those diet breaks, it helps you maintain that body for a lot longer because you haven't just sort of restricted for endless amount of months. And then you kind of get to the end, you've reached your goal, obviously the reins are off and then you just go crazy. Whereas I think you have those little, almost like sanity breaks where you can kind of break, like you say, enjoy a bit of food, enjoy some drink and then you go back into it it gives you kind of a little bit of time just to sit back or kind of appreciate how much progress you're making but then also appreciate the finer things in life and then you reset yourself and go back into that diet phase and then you know that in five six seven weeks you can come back out of that again for a, for a week or two exactly. um, there's a really good there's a really good podcast with um, Ben Popolsky that I was listening to yesterday about that, actually. And um, someone, he had a, a man on there who's literally researching that. And that was one of the biggest aspects that he found out of the two groups that, um, that he researched was the one that had diet breaks actually maintained the um, their achieved physique for, like, long-term rather than, obviously, the people that just, restricted consistently for um for four months yeah majority of them by the end of it it just ended
1: up in that kind of binge purge mentality yeah exactly so there's one of the things that people don't again in this modern society people want things now but actually it might be detrimental to do something too strict and put you actually in a worse state afterwards whereas you adapt a mentality of right. I'm going to have diet break. Uh, I'm going to have, introduce a longer, a longer period of dieting, but I'll make it more enjoyable, more sustainable. I'm actually going to have the physique I want and have it for the rest of my life rather than for one holiday or for one show. Like you build the physique and then you maintain it for the rest of your life because you've used a sustainable approach rather than, oh sweet, I got six pack once and then I lost it. <laughs> that, that, that's not sustainable. That's not a good mentality to have.
0: Nah, true, true. So, going off a little bit, with regards to your kind of experience throughout all things kind of health, fitness, nutrition, well, I guess over your entire journey, how has your mindset and your kind of perspective on different things kind of changed? Say, nutrition training, and then also that kind of rest and recovery. How has your mindset changed and how has your kind of perspective changed on those those things
1: knowing that it doesn't need to control your life is probably the biggest thing i take i've taken from my experience within within fitness world like knowing that you can do this and still enjoy yourself like, from when I started out, my life was fitness. When I first competed and when, when I went through, like, the fitness model stage, everything, every waking moment revolved around my physique um, and improving that and then getting better, like, results on stage, get winning pro shows and stuff. But every, everything revolved around that. And it was a very selfish and very um, negative mindset to be in. To be in a place where, and what I try and get across to my clients is that we can have, you can have both. You can have a nice lifestyle, yeah. you can enjoy social company, you can have a good like family life relationship, enjoy your life, as well as having a, a maintainable physique. Yes, if you want to get to very low body fat percentages, you may need to sacrifice the social aspects for a brief period of time, but to achieve the physique that most people want and most people aspire to, you can do it without having it to over-consume and over-control your life. So that's one of the main things I've taken through my my fitness journey is knowing that and learning that and being able to teach that you can have, be in control of your happiness as well.
0: That's um, kind of almost very much touching on what I was saying to you before about how did you um, deal with the kind of not having abs just like post-show. Because I think when you're in that, it almost becomes your identity, like being yeah. shredded, being, being that guy that's in phenomenal shape that everyone wants to look like that. That's almost like your identity. So when you don't look like that, it's almost like, well, who am I really? I'm just a bit like a faker. That's one of the things that I really struggle with, especially when it took me about two months to come to terms with the fact that I wasn't, I probably won't box again. Even there, I just said then probably, Mm. like I won't box again competitively as a professional. Mm. It's because it's always been my identity. I've always been that, like, I guess all my friends know me as that. It's always been my, my sole focus in life. It's always been my sole drive. Um, And so, yeah, it comes to that point when sometimes you just need to accept and appreciate that fitness isn't your life. Like, Boxing was a part of my life. It wasn't who I was. Yeah. That was, yeah. That actually, when you say, it, yeah, that's one thing I really, really struggled, Well, can clearly see, like, in the back of my head, and still kind of struggle with that. It's that's
1: mad. I mate, you all like, I completely agree. Like with um, like with now moving into strongman, everyone still identifies me as the the physique like physique guy. Like you, oh you, you so you're shredded all the time. Like fuck no, I've not I've not had abs since like 2018. <laughs> 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 but but everyone is like, actually, that is funny actually because um
0: one of one of the lads from uni said that to me and the other day we were talking is like um saw one of my stories where i'd um after one of our calls hmm. and he went wow we are, we're way looking big now isn't he <laughs> and i was just like yeah and then I, I started laughing about that i was just like that's funny, because everyone just identifies you and knows you as that guy who's shredded. Like, it's like you're that guy. It's just, yes yeah, it's, it's mad. <laughs> but now that's, um, that's been awesome, mate. Really I really appreciate you um, you giving me the time to come on. And um, I think people have got some great little take-homes there. Um, just, yeah, where can people find out more about you? What's your, um, sort of, where are you most active?
1: Uh, absolute pleasure thank you very much for having me on mate really appreciate it obviously happy to to do as many more of these as you like as uh, as everyone can tell i like to talk <laughs> uh, but my main, main place to get hold of me is on my instagram handle um which is at coach wade foster um that's where i spend well that's where i work basically so uh if anyone wants to drop me any questions regarding like the health and fitness journey um just drop me a message on my instagram
0: Alright, perfect. Well, I'll um, yeah, I'll link all that up in the uh, in the show notes, and go from there. But anyway, it's been a pleasure, mate, and I'll catch up with you soon.
1: Yes, mate. I'll talk to you later. Have a wonderful day,
0: mate.
1: Yeah, take care, buddy.
0: Bye.